Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. You Douglas, Joe Giglio. It is the Midday Show. 215-592-9494. Get your board. We got Kyle behind the glass. We'll get back to all your phone calls here on the Jalen Ramsey stuff, on the Sixers, on Tyrese Maxey. Of course, the pitch clock. Love it or hate it after one weekend. But let's go out to the guest line first before he uh, he gets on a plane. I believe about to get on a plane to go to Indianapolis for the Combine the rest of this week. Elliot Shore Park. Elliot. What's up, Elliot? Man, so I actually don't get on a plane for another two hours, but big airport tricked me into getting here three hours worried about security. So well, I got some time to that. kill with you guys. Yeah, Well, that's what they say, but I got, through, I got through security in like four minutes. So now I'm just uh, killing time waiting to get to ending. Wait a minute, Elliot. You know I'm curious about your outfits because you are one of the absolute best dressed on this radio station. <laughs> so how many Appreciate outfits it. did you take for Indy this weekend? Well, all right. So first, you got to know I'm going to be there basically just tomorrow and half the day Wednesday. So Make four sure outfits. Yeah, well, I was going to say five, yeah. So I brought three <laughs> pairs of shoes, five different shirts, three pairs of pants, got my workout stuff. So, I mean, look, the, the, the GM and the head coach only talk every once in a while. Plus, I'm representing the station at a league event. I got, I got to look nice. Gotta oh, I'm, sure I'm not mad at you. Well. Yeah. I well, am no, I not mad you at you. I saw you have the Jays on today. So yeah, I'm, you know, I know I'm you're right to, there with me. Yeah. I'm trying to represent. But, but you know, <laughs> I want to ask you this. I'm kind of curious because there's been a lot of talk about B. John Robinson potentially yeah. being the, the Eagles pick. If you were going to pick B. John Robinson, which pick would you use to get that running back? So he's an interesting case because if you remember a few years back when Christian McCaffrey went, I think he ended up going in the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. How, Howie Roseman was very interested in taking him. So while we can sit here and say Howie would never use a high pick on a running back, he would have done it for Christian McCaffrey. So I mm-hmm. think for the, right, for the right running back, he might do it. And when you look at this offense, you know, it really is the only kind of glaring hole, especially with all the free agents that they have coming up. So I think the responsible thing to do is probably not take him at number 10. But at the end of the day, he's an elite talent. He can be special. And, if you know, he's not going to be there at 30. So ultimately, you're going to have to decide if you're Howie, do you take him at 10 or 30? And I think it would be, you know, I don't, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't completely rule it out if you took him at 10. All right, Elliot, I'm curious where you come down on this. I'd say so far today, maybe only about 20%. Are with me on Ramsey Island, Elliot. I, I have yeah. some I have some reservations here about the Eagles having four or five first or second year players in the defense next year, which I think is is probably you know, probable, right? If they have Dean out there and they have Jordan Davis and they draft two players in the first round, it could be a very young defense. Blake and Chip. So I would like to make sure I have another star player. Jalen Ramsey's available, still playing at a high level, twenty eight years old. I'd be willing to give up the tenth pick. Most people would be out are out on that so far. One, overall thoughts on Ramsey, and then two, if you were to entertain it, how much would you give up? Yeah. Well, so as normal, Joe, when you make a point, my initial thought is that's crazy, and then after listening for 20 minutes, you talk me into it. So I will say now I'm a little more into the idea than I was when you first brought it up to me, but here's what I would say. The Eagles' perspective on it is probably they are already paying Darius Slate elite money. They're going to be paying a lot of players elite money. I mean, Devontae Smith is up for a contract next year. Jalen's obviously up for a contract. So ultimately, you just can't commit that type of money to the number two cornerback spot. So I agree with you that this idea that they'll draft someone at 10 and that guy will just be fine, that's a big wild card. They've had trouble uh, drafting that position. And when you look at receiver, they had trouble a lot of years in a row. And finally, they were like, you know what, we're just going to pay a premium price to get a premium athlete. And they did have interest in Jalen Ramsey before. Before he was traded to the Rams, the Eagles were very much in that on trying to make a deal happen. So I think that if they weren't paying Slay the money they were, it's something they'd be more interested in. But ultimately, defense to me just doesn't matter enough to invest a number 10 pick plus a huge contract into what is essentially a number two cornerback. 
Yeah, and that's a big deal, right? It, it's it's the price and it's the payment, um, and it's it's how much they're going to do. Elliot, you know, on this whole subject, and you know, obviously money and who they're going to pay. What's your feeling on the direction they'll go this offseason? Because we've had a lot of callers who just seem. I guess, you know, to accept the fact that they're going to retool here, that they're going to get younger, yeah. and, and almost very few that want to go all in again, which is, is interesting to me because they were two minutes away from winning a championship. Well, I think there's a difference between retooling and going younger. The reality is they're going to have to retool somewhat. When Howie talked earlier this offseason, he kind of offhandedly mentioned, you know, he, he said something like, well, if, if we do end up signing our guys, almost in a way as if it's not what they expect to do. He mentioned the comp picks, right? It sounded like a general manager knowing he's going to lose a lot of his free agents. But when you say going younger, that does not mean if they sign their free agents that they're going to start all rookies. They can go out and they can sign veteran players that just aren't going to make as much money as their veterans do, right? Now, obviously, it's a downgrade in talent. But for a win-now team, and I think this is an important note for the coordinator as well, when they're a win-now team, which they are, handing key snaps and key jobs over to guys that haven't done it before is a major risk. So I think you'll see them bring in a, a decent amount of veterans that maybe aren't as expensive, I would be very surprised if, you know, next year they go into it and they're starting four or five uh, first-year players on defense. They're just too good. The offense is too good, and the expectations are too high for that. I'm curious, Elliot, uh, you're going to the combine. How comfortable are you knowing that we know you're going to the combine and we don't know who the defensive coordinator <laughs> is for the Eagles right now? <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe by the time I get to Indianapolis, we will know who it is. Uh, Sean Desai, if I, if I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, the former Bears defensive coordinators in Philadelphia today interviewing. I think he checks a lot of really good boxes. He's done the job before. Uh, he's worked for good organizations, and he's young. So I think it's a nice mixture of both. But, yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, the thing about the Combine is it's not a draft event. It's billed as that. It's a TV production that's a draft event. But ultimately, this next few days for Howie is going to be about free agency, meeting with agents, figuring out what, what free agents are going to cost, figuring out who's going to be available. So the draft, I mean – that, that's not really what these next few days are about. Either way, you want to know who your coordinator is, but ultimately I think this is more about retaining their own players than it is figuring out who they're drafting. Elliot, do you think the Jalen Hurts contract is going to be done soon here before the offseason starts You know, in earnest when, when players can move around? Do you think they're going to have this done before then? I think about the timeline You know, what about four years ago when it was – Goff and Wentz, and then you know Dak obviously didn't get paid right away. But those deals right. weren't done as quickly. I mean, the, the, I think the Wentz thing was sometime later in the spring. Do you think this will be done? You know, soon. I, I do. Yeah, just because so much of the other contracts depend on it. Knowing how much they're going to have to spend now, I would imagine at this point they have a pretty good idea of what that contract is going to look like, and it's about hammering out other details of it, the structure, where the money will be. I would think that, you know, with how good he was early in the year, with the reality that they knew this, the Eagles are a team that likes to plan ahead. I mean, they planned for the Wentz deal from the second they drafted him almost. So I'm sure that they have a good idea of what this is going to look like. But the other aspect of this is other quarterbacks could sign, right? There's other quarterbacks out there available. So I think it benefits the Eagles and Jalen to get out ahead of this, get the money, get the deal done, and, you know, move on with their offseason. Elliot, if, if you had to guess from the Eagles' perspective, what would they rather? Tenth pick in the draft, they're sitting there, and one of the quarterbacks, right, there's four quarterbacks, has fallen so they can auction off the tenth pick, or all four quarterbacks get taken in the first nine picks, obviously pushing you know, other positions like the, you know, corners down to them? I think they would rather take a player. I mean, this is a win-now team. They need elite talent. They need building blocks. They're not a team that's going to be drafting in, the, in this this high very often, right? I mean, if you look at the future of this team, I think we would all agree the future looks bright. It's kind of a bit fluky that they got this pick from the Saints. Great general managing, 
but you know, it's not something you're going to have every year. So Howie is a big believer on adding elite talent, adding cornerstones to the franchise. So I think if you can sit there at 10 and, you know, he probably won't, but let's say Jalen Carter falls down to eight and you can move up and get him or, or, you know, one of these elite uh, uh, cornerbacks gets to you. I think they'd prefer that over adding a pick just because they don't really get a chance to draft this high often. Jalen, I mean, excuse me, Elliot, what would be the biggest surprise for you, the, the player that the Eagles draft at number 10? Who would be the biggest surprise for you? Well, a quarterback, right? <laughs> but but <laughs> outside of that, I mean, look, you started with him, Dijon Robinson, just because while I think there's a chance of it, I, I, would, I still think we can talk about needs on the roster, all these things. Bottom line is you're picking a 10. You add a cornerstone piece. You add a piece that you think you're going to get good value in with the contract. You add a piece you think will play for you for 10 years. So while I think it's an interesting conversation, and you could certainly convince me into it, if they actually did it, I would, it, I would be surprised on draft night. All right, Elliot, let's end with this. Give us your takeaways from Saturday with the Sixers and the Celtics. We would talk about it today. Obviously, a, uh, a heartbreaking way for yeah. it to end with the Tatum shot in, and then the Embiid shot didn't count. What was, what was your biggest takeaway Saturday? My biggest takeaway is I think I would pick the Sixers to, team to beat almost every team in the NBA besides the Celtics. And unfortunately, they're probably going to play the Celtics in the second round. So I think they played them close. I think it was an encouraging performance. But I think there's been a lot of like, well, if this happened, if this happened, if this happened. Bottom line, they lost. They're 0-3 against this team. They struggle against them. And so while it was encouraging to see them play right with them, I don't have confidence that in a seven-game series they beat them four times. So I think they could beat the Bucks. I think they could beat the teams out in the West. But the unfortunate reality is the Celtics are there. And I think watching that game on Saturday, I'd be surprised if they beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. Elliot, we appreciate you hopping on. We'll talk again uh, later this week and uh, enjoy Indianapolis. Sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Have a good one. There he goes. Elliot Shore Parks live from the airport as he gets ready for a trip to Indianapolis. What do you think about the uh, the outfit selection? Five outfits for two days? I mean, that sounds like something he would do. It's a lot. Like for, for me, that's I would take two outfits. And a pair of shorts to sleep in. That's about it. It seems like he's got the work outfit and then, then, then go the, out. Well I, well, well, I would say three, but I don't really count my workout outfit as an outfit. Yeah. But, so, so let me tell you, because when we go to Clearwater, yeah. taking two pairs of shorts and two shirts. That's it? That's it. And some workout clothes. That's all you, I mean, we're all there two and, days. Yeah. And, and some shoes. That's it. So the you, same one. You pack light. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you know, I could throw that in like one of them little, I could throw that in a... Uh, what they call it a pillowcase, and we can get on the plane. <laughs> That's about it. Toothpaste. Now, I'm going to go to Coy Detmer route. No. I don't know if you ever heard this about no, Coy. No, I need to hear this story. But Coy used to go on trips. Coy would take his toothbrush and some toothpaste. That was it. Like, what, what kind of trip we're talking about? Like, to a game? To a game. So what is, like, if I'm say, lying, I'm flying. So you're saying what he's wearing is what he's wearing back? Yes. Coy, Coy was what we used to call back in the day a Viking. <laughs> no. Coy did not care. That teeth hygiene is important. Yeah, though. and listen. At least Coy, he had that. Coy had that neck hair. The Coy, Coy was like the – and he was the a polar opposite of what you thought a quarterback should be. Yeah. Coy was the other way. I mean, that's – Coy was more – Coy skewed more offensive linemen. That sounds like that. Than, than quarterback. You I know, because you see Jalen run around five, all them cats used to wear the nice suits. Sure. No. Nah, They're dressed in the park. No. Nah, Coy used to get his pants from probably the Walmart or whatever. He didn't iron them. Had like a, a shirt on, like a flannel shirt, and he was chilling. That was the outfit that he was going to wear back. I don't know what he did for deodorant, but yeah, I have was, a lot of questions like, about yeah, how he so, got by. But Coy, Coy was that dude, man, and just came out there and you know 
did his thing. Yeah, see, my issue with that is like, what if you spill some some coffee on yourself? Then you got to ride that out. You got to ride that. You got to ride yeah, that. Yeah, but out. that's I'm committed. A, yeah, if that's a light shirt, you can't ride <laughs> yeah, that a, out. You got to ride that out. Yeah, that you got to ride that outfit. That out, looks man. bad. I don't yeah. know about that. All right, let's go to the, back to the phone lines here. Matt in Prospect Park. What's up, Matt? Hey, rise and shine, Atlanta. What's going on, <laughs> it's my new favorite I, bit on the show. I, I know, I know. I, I Good morning, Atlanta. Come on now. Just dogging you guys. No, you guys are great. You guys got a nice chemistry. I'm Thank really you. enjoying the show. Thanks, Thanks, Matt. What are you really thinking today? Um, I'm actually on – I find myself on Joe Giglio's side today. Um, here's why. I mean, I see both sides. But, well, for one, I just read something. I'm not like a Moneyball expert dude, but, like, it says that we would only – have to pay Jalen Ramsey five point six million. Yeah, there's some before you go on that. There's some conflicting stuff out there about how much. Okay. You know, because Fair enough. you know, with the um, when you trade for a player, obviously the team that trades them has to take care of the bonus, and then the base comes over. Yeah. So there's there's right. something and then you out there. Re-sign. Right. That's he might want a new contract. But there's there's one thing out there that says seventeen. I did see the thing that said oh. five. The the bottom line is I, I'm sure how he can move the numbers around to make it work for the cap this year. I think we all agree my, on that. My question was actually if it is five point six. I don't know the numbers here, but what would let's let's say that they drafted uh, the guy from Illinois at tenth. What kind of what would they owe him as a a number ten first round pick? I mean, with a with a bonus and everything. I mean, would would it be comparable? Because there is a little bit of like we want to win this year or next year rather kind of thing there. And if it's five point six, I mean, I got to agree with Joe. Let's get on it because I, I think I think that the rookie contracts are are a lot more cap friendly. I don't know how that yeah. works. I, I I don't know how that works, but I think they're a little bit more cap friendly. So I got it here from last year. Obviously, I you know I don't know this year's yet because it's slot because it's slot. I think it's like a ten percent increase. Yeah. So uh, what I found, Matt, is is total contract. I'm not sure per year. I guess we could divide it by the four years, right? Because they're the fifth year option. Yeah, and it all depends on how much money you get up front. Right. So right. Trayvon Walker last year got forty one million dollars in his contract from the Jaguars. So if I guess four forty one, right? It's a four year deal with mm-hmm. the fifth year option. Down to the tenth pick was twenty two. Garrett Wilson got twenty two. So what is that? Eight twenty two divided by four would be eight. So so yeah, yeah it's not cheap. So I mean, the tenth pick, com- the tenth pick comparable. costs money. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not cheap. I'm just saying, if if that if that number is actually legit, then I would say let's do it because, I mean, I agree. We've never really drafted a cornerback. On the other hand, these guys do seem, like we seem like we have a shot at somebody elite. But mm-hmm. we might even take a we might even get a bargain on Jalen for one year. I don't know. I like the idea. I'm into it. You guys take care. You got it, Matt. There's we, that word again. Out. We appreciate it. Bargain. Bargain. Where, where does that word come from? Like, why, why? I don't understand why people get enamored with thinking like hometown discounts and bargains. Bargain hunters. Where, where, where do you take a bargain when you go negotiate your deal? When you go to, when, for the job? I don't. I, I don't hope. I hope that. our listeners don't. <laughs> no. Go get your money. I don't know. Like, listen, this is a great place to play. No question about it. But when it comes to getting paid. You want to get paid. Like, everybody wants to get paid. Ain't nobody talking about, like, that's just like you going, the job that you work at respectively. You say, oh, you know what, boss? I like you so much. You don't have to pay me extra. I, I just like being here. No, it don't work like that in life. It don't work like it that. It does not. Um, okay. I found it. So so Garrett Wilson last year was the 10th pick. Uh-huh. So his cap hit last year was $4.6 million. So yeah. let's say this year it's five. Let's just use five. Mm-hmm. Right? So the Eagles, let's say they, they have to allocate $5 million for whatever corner they draft at number 10. So, yeah. so Ramsey's 17. So that's a $12 million gap. Yeah. If, if everything just stays the same, just to give yeah. people perspective on it. So it's not, it's not free. You're not getting a guy for nothing. Like $5 million is still $5 million, but he's cheaper, cheaper over the next. Over the next, it's over the prorated years yeah. that you could potentially be getting Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Let's talk to Josh, who's at Ben Salem. What's up, Josh? 
Hey, fellas, how you doing today? What's going on? Hey, Josh. Um, so to kind of touch on the uh, Jalen Ramsey conversation, um, I'm kind of on both sides uh, of the argument here. Um, so on your side, Joe, if you're trading just the 10th overall pick for Jalen Ramsey, I think I would do it just because, you know, the Eagles are in a Super Bowl contending uh, window right now, and adding someone like that would really bolster your defense. Um, but at the same time, you're probably going to have to give up more than just one first-round pick, and you're going to have to pay him. And on top of that, the Eagles have a lot of free agents this year, so I'm not really sure if I'm willing to give up all these resources for one player when they have so many free agents, and a lot of them are probably leaving. Yeah, to, to your point on that, Josh, I wouldn't give up more. Like, you know, if they, if they could somehow get him for the 30th pick, I'd rather do that. I think the 10th, you definitely would get him. Like, you'd, you'd beat the Cowboys out, beat the Lions out, you'd get him. But, yeah, I'm not giving up anymore because th- then you start hurting the team, you know, over the long haul. Yeah, I agree. I think the 10th overall is already a lot. And, you know, to give up even more and you're going to have to pay guys too, I just don't think I would do it for more than the 10th pick. Yeah, that, that feels like – and it's a big – I'm not disagreeing. It, it is a big price, you. I mean, the 10th pick is a, it's a premium asset. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that you can get somebody that has a, a tremendous upside with that. I understand what you're talking about when you talk about Hall of Fame corner and all the other good stuff. That's great. But I, I want to go with the younger assets. I want to go with the guys that I have a chance to, to like put my stamp on as a defensive coordinator and, and, and allow them to grow. The other thing that's always hard too, you mentioned earlier, like guessing on eighteen year olds, right? We're talking about GMs, how hard it is. Mm-hmm. With, with a guy like that, like Ramsey at twenty eight, like Howie or whoever GM, like someone's going to trade for him, Detroit or Dallas. Like, how many years does he have left? Yeah, and, you got to guess and, that. And, and this might be for him his last hurrah. It could be. Yeah, and 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 that's how he's looking at it. I would rather go with one of the young guys, uh, hungry. You know, got a vetting. Like that's the biggest thing. You got to figure out their why. That's the biggest thing when you talk about dealing with athletes nowadays is trying to figure out their why because they're not cut from the same cloth that we were cut from. You know, we were talking in the meeting this morning. We were talking about Devontae Smith going to the game this weekend, ringing the bell, mm-hmm. and then went out and who did he get a jersey from, Tatum? Tatum. He's yeah, a Celtic. Yeah, got a, got a yeah. like, and, and I know in Philadelphia, especially the way that we lost that game, that's probably the worst thing that you want to do on a Saturday night. But I – can't be mad at the young man because he is not doing anything different than anybody that is is his his contemporary is is doing. He's not doing anything different. That's just how they're wired now. You know, they they don't see how maybe maybe that didn't that wasn't the greatest optic that you could have. Well, it was not a great optic. I, I know it, Kyle. It rubbed you the wrong way. Oh, Here, yeah. Here's my issue with it. <laughs> I'm not upset for Devontae Smith for being a Celtics fan, right? That's what he grew up as. Like, yeah. I get it, right? Like, you just didn't like that, that smile he had on his well, face. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Devontae can root wherever he wants for. He's not from Philadelphia. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't expect every athlete that comes here to love all the teams. That's not who they are, right? They, they, they grew up fans. Yeah, but you got to read the room. You got to read the room. But also, it's on the Sixers a little bit there. Like, did they have to invite him to the Celtics game to ring out the bell? That I mean, felt like they were I, just, like, rubbing it in a little bit. Can I tell you how I think that played out? Me personally. Go ahead. Hey, whoever the PR guy is for the Sixers, can I get some tickets to the game? Ooh, Devontae Smith. How would you like to ring the bell? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You can sit courtside and ring the bell and be on TV. Oh, that's even awesome. And not and, and Devontae's probably, ooh, I can even get a jersey. Baby. Of course you know? he can. And he got the jersey signed. And I could see, I was like, ooh, no, baby, you don't want to do that. 
Yeah. Right? My advice for Devontae B, if the Celtics beat the Sixers in the playoffs, maybe just don't rub it in everyone's face. Kyle, I know it drove you crazy. Yeah, well, so look, I, I completely agree with you that Devontae Smith is his own man, and it would almost be a little bit phony if he came here and started and, and just completely ditched the Celtics and turned into a big Sixers fan. I mean, you got Micah Parsons with the Cowboys, who pretty much openly roots for every Philadelphia team besides the Eagles, and yeah, I don't know. I, Devontae can do whatever he wants, but it's just a tone-deaf move by the Sixers to let him be the bell ringer the night that you're playing the Celtics. It reminded me of the leader of, what is what was it, the seven-line army yeah. uh, with the Mets, who threw out the first pitch of the, at the Phillies game before we played the Mets. One of those things, you just need to have a little bit more foresight. And, uh, I mean, but nobody, the thinks room, about, nobody thinks about it that way anymore because the I lines do. are blurred. How many times have we seen in games where guys take their jerseys off and exchange them. Often. And, and, and you hear old heads say, oh, I can't, can't believe they did that. That's what kids do nowadays. That's what they do. We used to do it a little differently. Back in my day, we wore leather helmets. <laughs> <laughs> we used to call the PR. Like, we used to have a PR guy call their PR guy and ask for a jersey. Like, behind closed doors. So we didn't all see so it. So you didn't see it. These kids don't, like... They're in the throws. Like he grew up probably being a Tatum fan, and 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 he got a chance to see him. And he's like they're on the same level now. They're both stars. Well, judging by his age, I imagine he was a kid when they won with Garnett and all yeah. those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's like he he they don't see it that way because their fandom is not like ours. It's not, and and it's like one of those things you got to look at him and just say, you know, okay. Young fella. Who was it on the Eagles that got Lamar Jackson's jersey? Was it Jamone Brown? After the that, guard? The yeah, guard? After that yeah. awful game that he had against the Ravens that he had, that everyone's like, what I, are you doing getting Lamar Jackson's jersey? After the because game, he's dude. a fan. Yeah. I know. And he's probably out there fanboy. Bad optics. Like, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. I mean, you, you, you do that, but you also have to remember, like, oh, this might not, you know, I don't, you just don't want to smoke because everybody has a Twitter account. And everybody's going to at you. Oh, that was a bad look or whatever. I'm pretty sure some people added him. Oh, I'm more, I'm more than a few, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but he yeah. probably didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm he sure he care. ignored it. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop board. Hugh Douglas shows you up next. All your phone calls here. We'll get to everyone on Jalen Ramsey. Would you do it? I trade the 10th pick in a draft for him. I, I feel like I've gotten a few more swimmers to uh, Ramsey Island over the course of this show. We'll hit the Sixers as well, the Maxi and, and all the reacts from Saturday night. And the MLB rule change, including the pitch clock. Love it or hate it. We'll talk about it all right here. You, Douglas, Joe Giulio, Sports Radio 94 WIP. And Bohm drives one deep. This, of course, was an Achilles heel for Brubaker, especially a couple years ago, giving up the home run ball. Got better at it last year, but Bohm, who had 13 during the regular season, gives the Phillies a 2-0 lead. Well, that's a good sound. Welcome back. Hugh Douglas shows Julio his WIP midday show two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. That's how you hop aboard, Hugh. The uh, the sound there of an Alec Bohm home run earlier this afternoon. Arr, baseball. I mean, that was a good grunt. I don't want anybody to think it was that a happy was a, grunt. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want anybody to think that's a a, a, a a mean grunt or a tail. No, I wasn't like that. I was just like, oh, we, we we're getting we're about to get back into it. Yeah, and you know, for Alec Bohm, he's an interesting player, Hugh. They drafted him third overall a few years ago, and like they they thought he was in lock to be a star player as a hitter. And it's been a slow build, and defensively, he was horrendous. He got he's gotten better, like he's playable out there, mm-hmm. and I think he's a. I would call him a pretty decent hitter to a good hitter, but the power hasn't come yet. Like, you look at Alec Bohm, 
He's like 6'5". Like, he looks like he should drive the baseball. And you just heard it there, uh, only 13 home runs for him last year. I wonder if the power is coming because that would be a welcome addition, especially without Bryce Harper the first half of the year. Yeah, because that's going to be – like, right now, it feels to me like just watching a few spring training games, there there are some unsettled things, and they're trying to find some, some backups, some mm-hmm. replacements and, and things of that nature. So that would be a welcome addition if he can get that power going. Yeah, I mean, thir- like soon, thirteen like soon. home runs—that's pretty light for a third baseman, right? We're, I mean, you, we, I'm not they saying need a little bit more production. I yeah, think. I don't think we need him to get to thirty, thirty-five, but twenty would be nice, Kyle. Yeah, and you know what? I think Philly fans are sort of chomping at the bit, waiting for an excuse to just get rid of Reese Hoskins and maybe move old Alec Boehm over to first base. Yeah, because Reese is in the throes of a contract situation, Correct. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, and by the way, on Reese, we found out yesterday, this is, I mean, I don't think this is a major deal, but just kind of interesting that it flew under the radar. He had knee surgery this offseason. He had, they, re, they uh, repaired his meniscus. That, so he hasn't, if you notice this weekend, he had, he wasn't in any of the so spring still, training he's games. He's still repaired. He's still, uh, He's still he's still recovering. I yeah, say repairing. Well, they, he's still recovering. They say he's recovered. I guess they just wanted to give him the first few days. I don't know. It's weird that like it doesn't really make sense that he would be fully recovered, but they're still resting him. I I don't know. Yeah. So my my first instinct was, all right, whatever. He'll get into a game this week. But the fact that they didn't tell us to begin with kind of makes me wonder, like, why are they being disingenuous? Yeah, like, why not tell us he had surgery? This is not the first time that something like that has happened, though. As far as as far as players are concerned, it's it's like one of those things that you would think that. To get your meniscus repaired, that's like a sounds like a clean out procedure. That that would be something that you would get done immediately after the season's over, right? And, and to wait this long, it, it just kind of kind of makes you wonder if this something that that happened like in the off season where you know hmm. it became an issue, or you you just never know. Yeah, it is a little bizarre, but but I, I agree with Kyle's point that if Bohm could actually hit it for power, you know, I, his future could be at first base. But if he's only hitting thirteen home runs, it's hard to make him at first base. Yeah, you can't now. You definitely do not want your first baseman hitting only thirteen. Yeah, it'd be nice though if he hits for power. Big home run early uh, in the game today. They're playing the Pirates down in Florida. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. Jerry is up here on Jerry uh, WIP. Hey, Jerry. Jerry. Thank you. What's going no, on, man? How you doing? What's, what's happening, guys? Hey, Jerry. There he is. There we go. There we go, Jerry. What's up, buddy? Well, I'm broke down, waiting for roadside. There's some electronic crap going on with my truck in oh. North Carolina. Oh, no. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. You absolutely hate to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at a rest stop, so, you know, so I figure I might as well chime in. So, me and Corey Deppner were getting along fine. Because all, all I would need, since he has a toothpaste, all I would need my toothbrush, a couple pairs of socks, and baby wipes, and I'm good for three or four weeks. <laughs> uh, I, hey, you know what? I caught the baby wipes. I respect that. I respect that. It, that's, a, that's all I need, bro. You know, it, that's just how I roll. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm easy to get along with. Because so, everybody um, ain't got good toilet paper, man. Well, we like found that, out about that, Europe yeah, last that, week. Everybody, yeah. ain't, got, everybody ain't got that. <laughs> good so, Jerry, you, you, you travel light, I'm assuming, when you go on your trips. Yeah, I carry a couple extra things just in case a mishap, you know, to spill coffee or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, besides that, I don't need a whole hell of a lot. That's all. I just, that, that, that just don't need much. That's called a so, Spartan lifestyle. Living yeah, that Spartan right? lifestyle. Yeah. Exactly. Jerry, what do you think about the pitch clock? You like it? Love it? Hate it? What are you thinking? I really like it. The only thing I don't like about it is that they need to do something with it when it comes toward the last couple innings of the game or the last inning of the game because – there's, there's no way a game should end on a strikeout, even though the, the the batters know they need to get into the box, and it's not the rules' fault that they don't get in the box. But it would really upset a lot of people if a big game went down and the umpires 
calls a strike three, and 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 the batter just you know he didn't get in the box in time to you know to do his thing. So that I, other than that, I think it's great. I mean, because it speeds the game up. You know, I, I listed the last two Phillies games. One was what two and a half hours. The other was like three three hours and some change yesterday. Mm-hmm. So. And that's because there was a lot of hits, a couple grand slams. You had 16 runs scored in the game or 17 runs, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, so um, I I think that the rule changes are good. I'm glad they banned the shift. I hated I hated the shift. It was, just, it, it was like cheating to me for some reason. Analytics got involved, and, you know, even though both teams used it, I just couldn't stand the shift. It just irked me to no end because it took a lot of hits away from guys. And, I mean, when I grew up, I guess no, none of our coaches were smart enough to figure that you could put four or five guys on one side of the field for a guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, they, uh, they just didn't realize. I guess they know. didn't think. I guess people, you know, it's one of those things until you start doing it, no one thought of it. Jerry, we appreciate it, man. Good luck with the um, getting the truck back going. Yeah, Hugh, the shift is going to be a major difference. Like, I saw a stat. Kyle Schwarber last year was shifted 91% of the time. That, yeah. It's a whole new world for him. Yeah, and I know a lot of players, they were complaining about the fact that they were taking away the shift. They were complaining about about that because they, there was something that, that I forgot what they were complaining about, but they were very upset that they were. Yeah, it's it's, I mean, it's going to change things. The hit up for years, like when I grew up watching baseball, when when you saw the ball off the bat, and it was a hit like a hard hit up the middle. Mm-hmm. Kyle, it was just a hit. Yes, someone you just knew right off the bat, even without the camera turning out to the field, you just knew like that there was something about the way the ball came off the bat. You're like, that's a base hit. Now you're like, oh, like it's such a buzzkill when you see the guy jump up and just grab it. You're like, right. man, why did somebody have to be right there? And like you know, every once in a while, like an Ozzie Smith or an A Rod would rob that kind of play, right? Mm-hmm. But it was always a hit. The last ten years it's like oh there's someone standing right there and and it's even it kind of works the opposite way too when you hit a baseball and it's like oh well that should be an obvious out and you're like well why is there nobody over there oh, like yeah. come on man and that's when people hate it that's when people hate the the whole thing as far as the jerry's point there you about he's okay with it except if it, it ends a game like that that's gonna happen i, I would think that if i had a guess right now i bet the first week of the season there's a big moment in a game that goes weird because they call the penalty. You know what? I don't think it's going to be as big as big a deal as you think it's going to be. And the reason why I think that is because the, the as we go through these spring training games, we're going to get accustomed to it, and it's going to automatically speed up everybody's clock. Everybody's going to be self aware mm. of the time that the clock they, they're on the they're on the clock. So it's going to speed up everything. It, it's interesting because the people that are probably going to have be be tougher to adjust. Are the guys that are that are already in the majors? The young cats, they're already used to it because they've right. been dealing with it since last year. So everybody that that's already in the majors, they're going to be the ones that are going to have to adjust to it. I think they'll be all right. You give them a couple weeks. I, I'm I'm willing to bet that this this coming week, that you know they 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 call like. 36 to 35 penalties mm-hmm. last week that it's going to go down this week. Yeah, this week and the next couple weeks are baptism by fire. Yeah. And then you, you'll learn, right? If you, Like that guy who got the strike called on him two days ago, the Braves and the Red Braves Sox game, game yeah. th- my guess is he's not going to leave the box ever again. He's just he's going to stand there and not move because he doesn't want it to happen again. So I, I think that it's it, it, they're going to learn quickly. Or Scott is in Las Vegas. What's up, Scott? Scott. Hey, Scott. What's up, buddy? What are you thinking? So I want to get to the Eagles, but I got a quick bet for you guys. I, I love playing the futures markets. Mm-hmm. This year in baseball, the over-under, the A's. Way under because of last year, how bad they were. There is no way that's a 58-win team. They have eight to nine starters this year. The A's rebuild quick. 
They should reach the 70 plateau. I think Vegas is about 10 wins off on that team. Wow. I think that is the best futures bet in baseball right now. The A's are way better than a 104-loss team. Well, they were obviously, like you said, that bad last year. Yeah, I, I started diving into some future stuff, so I'll write that one down, Scott. What are you thinking on Jalen Ramsey? Uh, um, I wouldn't do it just because I think – I'm a little torn on this because I want to go younger, but I also wouldn't take a running back right there. I really like the kid who actually played behind Robinson. I don't know if anybody had a chance to see him. His name is Rashawn Johnson. He's 6'2", 230. He actually has the highest broken tackle rate in the country. And I think it's a similar situation to Miles Sanders where he potentially could be the better pro in the NFL because he was underused, similar to Barkley and Sanders. He is a monster back there in the running back, and I think he would fit perfectly next to Gainwell. Yeah, Scott, Scott, we appreciate your phone. It sounded a little off, but we appreciate the call. It's interesting. uh, He brought up the backup to Bijan Robinson there. You once in a while that happens where a guy's not used much in college and they have fresher legs to get to the NFL. Yeah, but you can also look at that and and think that maybe he he looked – he was breaking tackles because Bijan already then broke him down. That's (laughs) fair. Late in in the game he comes in. I I get what he's saying, though, Joe, because you're talking about a team right now that uses running back by committee. Mm Mm-hmm. So he would he would fit he would come in and he would fit in the mold that that Miles Sanders was in when he was here because we know we all know Miles Sanders is probably not going to be here. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I mean, of all the things that could happen this offseason, Miles Sanders coming back would be shocking. I heard, actually heard the Cameron Ritchie talking about this morning, and and Joe made the point he he doesn't think it's impossible he comes back because maybe the market for running backs isn't that good, right? Because Josh Jacobs is a free agent, Saquon's a free agent. Um, there's some good backs out there. So maybe mm-hmm. if Miles can't get the deal he wants, he just kind of comes back to Philadelphia. I just don't think the Eagles are giving out a, a second contract to a running back. They just don't yeah. do that. I mean, and it's going to be one of those things where there's going to be a team out there that's going to be willing to probably pay him a little bit more mm-hmm. than what the Eagles are going to pay him. That, that's the thing about it. The free agency market is where normally you make more money than you would with the team that you're with. Because if, if they let you get to this point, Doing free agency, it's a good chance you're not coming back. Right, like if the Eagles really wanted Miles Sanders back, he's probably signed already. They would have re-signed him. To, and they do that a lot. I mean, they did it with Dallas, Dallas Goddard. They did it with Jordan Mailata. They did it with Avante Maddox. If they want you back, they'll re-sign you early. Brian is at Clifton Heights. Hey, Brian. Brian. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Brian. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't know. You know, the Sixers game the other night, they lose by three, but – I mean, honestly, even if they won that game, does anybody really think they could beat Boston four out of seven? I think it's I a, mean, I think it's a they, great momentum builder. I really do believe that. I mean, they, I mean, you, you, they have Boston has they 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 have the best ball movement in the league. Every time they go down the court, eighty percent of the time that most four or five guys touch the ball. The Sixers game, the Sixers, you either got one or two, and they ISO for thirty seconds and. You know, even if Embiid puts up 40, he's going to be worn out by game six because, you know, it's just him or Harden. They don't, they don't move the ball. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, we, we, were, just, we were just talking about, we were talking about that earlier, Joe. We were talking about how if, if they want to beat uh, the Boston Celtics, you're going to have to get Tyrese Maxey involved. They He's going to have to be that third wheel that you're talking about. Brian, they're missing that. And you're, you're right about the Celtics. The way and, – and all five of them – you know, maybe Williams says the lesser extent of the five, but all, all five of them are threats. Like on that game – on the game Saturday, they left Horford all alone. He was just draining three after three. And, jo- and Joe, that's my point. Like, that's my point in the, pl- in the playoffs. Joel Embiid's got to go out there and get him. So, I mean, he's going to he's going to be whooped 
totally whooped because he can't, you know, he's going to come, he's going to be getting banged around, scoring 45 on the offensive side. Then on the defensive side of the ball, he's got to chase Horford on the outside. And after, you know, games five or six, he's going to be gone. And, and that's my maxi point. Horford ain't that guy he used to be either, though. No, he's not. But you Horford, leave him alone, Horford, he, can, yeah, he still hits yeah. it. Yeah, Horford ain't yeah. that guy he used to be. But that's my maxi point. My maxi point is, you know, he has to put up 18 because he's a liability on a defensive end. Yes. And the Eagle and, and the Sixers went out and spent a lot of money on a guy just to play defense in the playoffs and Tucker. So he's going to be in the game. So if Maxie doesn't give you 18 or 20, he can't be on the court in the playoffs. Brian, you're 1,000% you're right. Right? They have one player they've already decided, like, they're, they're okay playing him a lot of minutes even though he's not going to score, right? Tucker. And, that, and they, yeah. they, like, they all the other things, toughness, rebounding, defense, fine. But then they have to get that score. Like, you can't beat the Celtics with Maxie scoring eight points. Yeah, you got no, to give you more when, than especially that. When the guy, especially when the guy he's going up against is going to put up 20. Because that's what the Celtics do. So, you know, you know, and then, like I said, and if Embiid has to do everything, he's going to be totally wiped out by game five. He's not going to be able to, you know, it's already going to be in the second, third round of the playoffs, and Embiid's going to be whooped because he plays hard. One thing you say about Joel Embiid, he gives it his all out there, especially in the playoffs. And, you know, you know that's how he gets hurt. That's how he gets <laughs> banged around. And Maxie has to put up 20 if he can't. I'm sorry, he's not going to be on the court. He's going to be on the bench. Well, you're right. <laughs> no, it's right, and we appreciate it. It's it's a big deal, and he's right about Joel. I mean, it's one of those things with Joel Embiid. He's, he's so amazing, but his conditioning late in the games, it does feel like sometimes he's he's out of gas. Yeah, and and, it, and you got to know that when you're in a position like that, where you're going to have to be that guy, you're going to probably have to do a little extra, man. It's 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 unfair, but that's what you're looked at. And if you know that you have to do a little bit more to carry your teammates. You got to do exactly that. You got to carry your team. Well, and, and the great ones—that's what they do at the end, right? We don't look, think about Giannis as tired in, in late in no. the playoffs. No, and you, when Kobe dropped, what was that like sixty, yeah. eighty, or whatever it was? He dropped. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, the, the greats don't get tired. I mean, I always think that. Like, like I never remember a game where Kobe's tired at the end, or Michael Jordan was I, tired. I've never heard anybody say that about anybody who's on a championship. Not the greats. You no, can't, you can't do it. You can't. can't just, do it. That word doesn't work if you're going to win a title. Eric is in Maryland. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you guys doing? This What's morning? going on, man? Hey, yeah, Eric. Know, actually. Uh, yeah, everything is good. Um, I'm kind of out on Ramsey only because, like, I feel like he's kind of either complained about his salary or kind of talked his way out of two teams. And I don't think with what the Eagles have going on chemistry-wise, uh, he would necessarily be a good fit. He would be actually looked upon to be a leader. And he, he just, you know, the chatter with him is just a little bit too much for me. He's a great player. But I just I don't I don't like a lot of the the, the extemporaneous things with Jalen off off of the field as well because sometimes it gets a little you know diva ish on the field too and I don't like that either. He's kind of has a wide receiver personality as a corner. He has that big personality. I, I don't disagree with that, Eric. That that's part of his, his the whole package that comes with him. Yeah, and but I also, mean, um, money, money. go ahead. No, I'm just saying. No, I hear what you're saying, but you know, sometimes when you got players of that caliber, they, they, I mean, you you deal with that. You you have to yeah, deal yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, I know. You gotta you gotta pay to play, and he's he's earned you know a lot of his reputation with the play on the field. My thing is like pairing him with Slay, though. It's like for me watching the last since, since October. All right, Darius Slade's play had dropped precipitously. Um, you know, he at the first three, the first two and a half months, he five interceptions, all of that. And then 
the last half of the year. It was like you didn't see anything out of them. I understand the scheme. You don't always, we don't, on the outside, don't always know what the scheme is called, what coverages are called. But I didn't really feel like, I felt like Darius Slay really showed his his own age the latter half of the year. Eric, I, agree, I agree with you. And it, it, it makes it makes what, whatever they do at that other corner position imperative, whether it's 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 use ID and a lot of our listeners say, which is trade, you know, excuse me, draft for a guy at 10, or it is, or it's, you know, whatever, my idea of Ramsey. They got to make sure the other side is good because what what if Slay declines a little bit here? Yeah, and that's I agree why you with go them. younger. I don't think Slay was great. Bradbury was better than him this year. I, I will never, ever, ever, ever go against the Hall of Fame of Brad Doggins when he talks about corner play. But what I saw, like there was a lot of times people talk about the way that you blitz and everything like that. Now, I understand that, you know, if you don't do it a whole lot, you can't. But if you don't have that personnel back there, then it makes it a little bit harder to do. Mm. And the games that I, the handful of games that I, w- I was here to see, I, was, I, I wasn't blown away. With, with their cover skills, was not blown away with it. There was a couple times, there was a lot of times where they benefited tremendously from that pass rush that they got, and, you know, they, they dodged bullets. But uh, like I said, I'm, not, I'm never going to go against Dark when it, when it comes against something, when it comes to talking about stuff like that, but I didn't think these guys were, were all of that. Well, I think it's interesting because the, the perception here was Jonathan Gannett should have blitzed more, pressed the corners, right? They had these great corners. I, I, the twist on this would be as if those corners, specifically Slay, wasn't maybe as good as we thought, and then that's why Gannon wasn't blitzing as much because he didn't want to leave those guys on an island. I, we'll see. I mean, but Slay's in his 30s now. Like, you get it's, – it's why they're not going to re-sign Bradbury because he's almost 30. Yeah, you you, you got to try to get younger because this is a young man's game. I know people hate hearing that, but it is. And you got to have some of these young cats that can run with these these receivers. Yeah, you, well, they need to have someone out there on the other side they could count on. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, I, some people have said today that Ramsey's declined a little bit, maybe. But so I, I found it before last season he was ranked the number nine player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a top ten player still, but like he's still a top fifty player, yeah, top forty player. Man, but I'd rather get that money to one of them young cats, let them go out there and play. Yeah, hopefully, they can play at a high no, level. I know, I no, I get what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying. But I I'm I am willing to stake some money like a little bit like two dollars two on yeah two, yeah two whole dollars yes yeah, on, on like going <laughs> big yeah i'm willing i'm willing to stake that on 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 Achilles ringo or one of the corners of that count yeah and there's yeah. and the good part is if they do go that way it's not like if they miss out on one uh-oh like there's four or five of them that yeah, could be you got, drafted you got some, yeah yeah they got options let's go to mike who's up here at wip hey mike what's up mike what's going on boys what's going on man how you doing today? what are you thinking mike hey look this is this is really simple. The pitch clock is beautiful. The whole idea is that when you get both the batters back, game on. Unless you have you know, call call, put your hand up, whatever. But you get both feet in the batter's box, you are ready to pitch. And you should be ready to hit. And if you throw one over the guy's head while he's looking down tapping his batter out, Everyone will be ready to hit. Well, and Mike, but before you go on, that's been the problem. What's happened here? It's just it's a it's a waste of time, right? The batter's halfway in, he's out, mm-hmm. he's playing with his batting gloves. Exactly. The pitcher's walking around the mound, retighten, untighten, and retighten. Oh yeah, and all that, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, no, you, I think the whole rule is when you're both feet are in the box, the pitcher can go. That was you know that's been forever, unless unless you're calling time or whatever. But both feet in. Throw the ball. The pitcher and the catcher need to be on the same page and be ready 
And I said, once, once a game, you throw one over his head, and he looks up, and the ball's coming over his head. Every batter on that team will be ready to hit when he comes in. Well, and the same applies for if he's not in there and he gets a strike or if the pitcher, you know, gets a ball because he's not ready. Like, it's one of those things, like I said earlier, baptism by fire. You're not going to forget once that happens. And I love that. I saw it on my phone at the Braves or whatever game. Yeah. The guy struck out or whatever. Well, everybody knows the rule. If you're not smart enough to figure it out, then to it and once the season starts you might have like one or two guys maybe a game that 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 might be an issue but for the most part no i just can't wait to see the meltdown of the pitchers mm-hmm. i am excited like when you talk about one thing I'm excited about, who's gonna be that first guy that we're gonna be talking about hopefully it's not for the phillies that is on the mound and, and he does not have a clue of what he wants to do and the clock is ticking and the fans are talking about five, four, three, two, throw the damn ball! Throw the ball! Can't wait to see that. And then he throws a wild pitch because he's yeah. all flustered out there. Yeah. Then he starts giving, flipping people the bird in the stands because he's all frustrated. Oh, somebody's going to lose their cool. Yeah, that somebody's going to lose their cool. Who would it be? Craig Kimbrell, maybe? Oh, Adjusting to yeah. a new city, new role. And he likes to do that little weird hunch. I know. Before he, he's got, he's very uh, deliberate. He's the guy that leans over right yeah, with the yeah. arm hanging. That's, yes. that's, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does. He, I wonder how he's going to speed that up. He's got to accelerate it. Yeah, he got to speed that up. <laughs> I, he, I can't wait to watch him pitch in spring training. Here. Wrap he it moves. up, B. You're on the L- clock. Let's go. Speaking of <laughs> wrap it up, we're on the clock here. Our fun show today, you. We, uh, we had a good time today. Always. Always. Back tomorrow, we're going to Sixers game to react to. Howie will also, Howie and Sirianni speak yeah, tomorrow. He, he ain't texting me. He never, he just, well, I guess that interview with Sean Desai is going pretty well. He's yeah, not responding. Really, really is. All right, we're back tomorrow you guys have a great afternoon we got marks and reese coming up here as always we're back tomorrow morning on sports radio 94 wip peace